The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Chris Towers. That's Heath Cummings. We gave Adam Azer the day off. He's going to refresh, come back for a busy, busy Super Bowl week. We'll tell you about that coming up in a little bit. But today we're talking about a very, very early look at the 2022 projections for the two gentlemen that you see right there or that you're going to listen to, depending on what format you are viewing or listening to us. Uh, Heath and Chris's early 2022 projections to get into some guys that they're too low on, too high on, some of the guys they like, some of the guys that they might be avoiding. And we'll catch up on some of the coaching news, most uh, of all what's going on in Minnesota and probably University of Michigan as well. But uh, like I said, next week we've got a really busy uh, show for you. Uh, we're going to have five episodes uh, leading into Super Bowl 56. Uh, they're going to drop at 11.30 a.m. Eastern next week. So Monday will be a Senior Bowl recap and uh, reviewing some notes uh, from the Senior Bowl. Uh, go over some early free agency preview, uh, taking a look at guys like Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, you know, where these guys are going to potentially land and what might be the best situation for their fantasy value next week. Uh, take a look at some DFS picks with Mike McClure. Uh, go over some player props on Thursday with Sian Najad and give you a big, big mega preview of Super Bowl 56 on Friday with DFS props, everything we were talking about during the week, previewing the big game, getting you set for uh, Super Bowl 56. So, all right, let's get into what we're talking about here, though. But, uh, you know, before that, though, you know, you guys weren't on following the big news. Obviously, you know, greatest player of all time, uh, Tom Brady, steps away from the game, going to retire. Uh, just quickly, your thoughts on on Brady, what he meant to the NFL, and maybe the, the uh, what's left of Tampa Bay, if that's one of the teams we're going to talk about or something we're looking at here. So, Heath, I'll start with you. You know, just Tom Brady stepping away, retiring. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do not have many thoughts on what's left in Tampa Bay. The uncertain teams I always save for the very end. So I'm 16 teams in, and Tampa Bay might be Team 32. Um, like, Listen, I think, and I said it last year, I think beating Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year, not like he was already the GOAT in the present, but I think it ensured that he will remain the GOAT in the future for probably decades like the fact that he won seven super bowls and at the age that he did perform like he did with a second team i just think that there's going to be little doubt who i mean we'll argue about it sure and maybe he won't be the the statistical leader forever although it's gonna take a long time for anybody to catch him um he's the goat and i i thought it was kind of refreshing and for some people irritating to find out the last couple of years of his career that he actually had a personality as well. Bill Belichick <laughs> didn't let it come out, but he was kind of fun the last couple of years, and that was nice. Old Tom Brady was fun, Tom Brady. Chris? Yeah, I mean, whether he's the the greatest or the best quarterback, like you can use whatever definition you want. It's clear no quarterback's ever had a better career than Tom Brady, and it's unlikely any quarterback's ever going to have a better career. What he accomplished in the NFL is, I mean, it's astounding, frankly. He owns most of the significant records, what is it? Did it end up seeing six Super Bowl rings? Seven. That's ridiculous. Seven. Seven Super Bowl rings. Um, went out basically on top. I mean, didn't win his last season, but they were one of the best teams in the league. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I was legitimately stunned that he retired. I didn't, I, it didn't look like he was anywhere close to being done. And I kind of thought he was just going to keep it going. So I, I'm always happy when a player like that decides to walk away before it gets sad. So I'm grateful that he did that. I didn't want a, uh, what was it? 2015 Peyton Manning season. Yep. Where, you know, or I mean, you're just you can use like, a more recent example. The last three years of Ben Roethlisberger. Sure. Sure. Ben Roethlisberger, Kobe Bryant's last couple of years were, were pretty yeah. sad. So yeah, I, I always prefer when, uh, when the all time greats walk away before they lose it. Yep, nearly an amazing comeback in the playoffs. Uh, led the NFL in passing yards this season. So 44 years old, probably could have played at 45. But as he said, 
doesn't have it in him yet to compete or compete again. And uh, we will certainly miss watching him play, as I said, on, uh, on, on our episode after he retired. And, and obviously this goes for both you guys because you started working at this job after me. I've never not ranked Tom Brady, so it's going to be weird to go into a season not doing it. And you guys I, never not projected Tom Brady, so that's obviously I think, something that uh, is a big switch. I think this is true for you as well. I know it's true for you as well. Um, and maybe it, I guess maybe it wasn't true, but Tom Brady was the last player in the NFL that was older than me. Um, uh, there's never going to be a player in the NFL older than me again. Yes, that is true for me as well. Yep. Uh, so crazy, crazy situation. I'm not, so I'm not quite there. I hope to, <laughs> all I hope is that Tom Brady allows himself to have one mini donut. Like go, go crazy, Tom. You know, I would really, be really cut he gets, he gets in the Hall of Fame. He's obviously going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he says, you know what? I got one more year in me. He'll come back. You know, he'll go on his training regimen, come back at, you know, 50 and, uh, you know, throw a touchdown pass. Wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, let's get into what the main topic of the show is here, which is an early look at the 2022 projections. So, uh, Heath, I'll start with you. Give me a player you think you'll be the highest on. I don't know if it's necessarily highest uh, in comparison to Chris, in comparison to how Dave and I will rank these guys in the industry, but just somebody that you think right now that you're high on. And I know you said you're only, you know, about halfway through the teams. So that factors into it clearly. But, uh, in the early run of your early projections, who do you think you're going to come out and, you know, be the be, be the guy on, be the guy for uh, you? Probably, and I've been the guy on him before, but like first thought of the teams I've done so far, it's probably going to be David Montgomery. Um, I currently have him, and there will be some things that change in the next couple of weeks and months. And But right around number 10 at running back, I actually have him one spot ahead of Javante Williams, which I know will not be a popular take. I've got him ahead of Nick Chubb. Um, I just think that he is obviously a good running back. He's proven that over the last couple of years. And it's the situation that I expect to be kind of similar to Joe Mixon, where I think this will be the best offense that he's been a part of, which gives him a chance to score more touchdowns. And maybe he'll even average more than four yards per carry. So 10th for you, we know two years ago he was a top five running back after the 2020 season. Uh, took a little bit of a step back, but was still successful. I don't think people appreciate just how good he was when he was on the field. Now he missed some time, clearly. But no concern, though, with uh, Justin Fields and his running ability taking away from some of the pass catching that we saw from David Montgomery. And then also, we just don't know what Matt Eberflus and the offensive coaching staff there is going to do with him in terms of is he still the guy or are they going to use maybe a little bit more Khalil Herbert or somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a risk of a little bit of sharing, but he shared a little bit this year on occasion, and they used Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert down the stretch a little bit with him. I really just don't think, like the Bears, When that's one of the things I've noticed going through this, because I try to get rid of the guys that I don't think are going to be on the team. The Bears don't have very many talented offensive players at this point, and they may add one or two, but David Montgomery is going to be one of their best offensive players. I think that they're going to find ways to get him the ball. Fields showed a little bit in the second half that he was more willing to throw to his running backs. And I think we often see with young quarterbacks that the skill that develops as they mature in the league. Would not be surprised if that happens for him as well. They Their offensive coordinator came from the Packers, correct? Yep. And that is an offense that has been just overloaded with running back opportunities to the extent that Aaron Jones can share and rarely see more than 60% of the running back touches and still be a top 10 running back, not this year, but in the past. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a good situation to, to look at um, with a good offensive line. I guess, you know, the one thing that's a little bit of a wild card, which we have plenty of time this offseason to get into is, is Tariq Cohen maybe back and as a factor. And that's something I think we'll find out. And, and the offense coordinator that they did hire was, Luke Getze, who is uh, mm-hmm. coming from the Packer staff, as, as you indicated. So hopefully he, he uh, follows in LaFleur's footsteps. And as Adam has said time and time again, basically everywhere LaFleur has been, the number two most targeted player on that offense has been a running back. And so hopefully that continues for David Montgomery and for Heath in his projections. All right, Chris, so you don't have one guy that you're high on. You want to talk about two guys. So I guess it kind of ties in. Let's talk about the first one here, Justin Fields. Um, yeah. So can Fields get Montgomery going? And what do you like about Justin Fields going into a sophomore season? Yeah, uh, he ended up, you know, I haven't, <clears throat> I think he's doing a little more team by team massaging where I just kind of took a holistic view to start just to get a baseline. And Justin Hurtfields end up, ended up 12th for me at quarterback. I don't know if that's going to be super high relative to everyone else, but that's, um, you know, I think he's going to be, it, it's not even projecting him to be great as a passer. It's projecting him to be pretty mediocre, but I think they're going to make, more use of his rushing ability. I think it's going to, you know, there, I don't think it's going to be like 
the Philadelphia Eagles, where the rushing game became the priority for them. But I do think that would make sense, given, one, the fact that the Bears, I believe, only have like 32 players under contract for 2022. They don't have very much cap space, so relative to how many roster spots they have to fill. So I don't think there's going to be this big infusion of offensive talent. So I think it could end up looking a decent amount like Philadelphia, where they run more than average, and Justin Fields is going to be a big part of that. He should be a red zone asset. And so I just think there's a chance that he has a you know, a diet Cam Newton type of season when, when you're talking about the, the peak Cam Newton where you know maybe he's not throwing for 4,500 yards, but if he rushes for 600 and adds five rushing touchdowns, that just adds such a high floor that if he's just passable as a passer, I think he's going to be very good. Is that what you projected him for? Or what are the numbers you project? I guess we should, you know, factor that in. So, so Heath, think about that as well for, for Montgomery. So what, what did you project uh, Fields for, at least right now? Uh, 500 rushing yards, uh, five and a half rushing touchdowns, 3,900 passing yards, 22 touchdowns. Okay. And I just want to put it in context because, and, and, and obviously, as I said, when we did this, it's on the site, you can see it. Um, I just pulled up just cause I was curious because you said you came out 12 for you in your, in your early projections. He was not in your top 12 quarterback no. rankings. So who gets knocked out? And I'll tell you if you don't have in front of you. So I'm assuming the top five or six are probably the same. So I'll start eight through 12. Well, Dak there's Prescott. one obvious one. Brady. Brady. <laughs> oh, Brady. Yeah, I'm sorry. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I there think that's the – I think that's actually the only change. I haven't – But like, he was 13 for you originally. Uh, not necessarily. He was in that range. Gotcha. But, okay. yeah, that's – you know, this is a different process than the, the initial rankings. And where do you have Montgomery projected for you? Uh, Montgomery is around 1,400 total yards and 13 touchdowns. Okay. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with. I do think they're going to. They have to add a receiver. I mean, it's, it goes without saying. You know, they can't just let Allen Robinson walk for whatever he was and not bring somebody of of some substance. Uh, Adam said when we did our breakout tight ends uh, that Cole Command is his breakout tight end this year. So that factors in. So it's going to be fun to see how this Bears offense changes. But I know Chris, you have one other guy you think you're going to be the highest on, and that's T Higgins. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be the highest on T Higgins. I believe I was the only one who had him as a top 12 wide receiver when we did our initial rankings. When I did the projections. He ended up being even higher than that. I've got him as uh, wide receiver seven right now in the projections. That's with, one, increasing the Bengals' pass volume a little bit. Not a huge amount, but uh, around 5% overall. And two, like he was right there with Jamar Chase in terms of target share. They were both right around 24% for this season. It's been similar in the playoffs. We've seen really big games from T. Higgins, I think two of the three playoff games. I just think he is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, one of the 12 or 15 best wide receivers in the NFL. And if we think, you know, if we think Joe Burrow is going to make this leap to be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, if he isn't already, I think they're going to be more pass heavy. And I think T Higgins is going to be a big part of it. He's not as high as Jamar Chase. I don't think that's uh, unreasonable, but I do think he's going to be a number one wide receiver next season. So if you disagree, I know because we did FF Team 5 and you said you're going to be the low guy on Joe Burrow. So you, I guess, don't have the same opinion of probably T. Higgins. because I, I know you have Jamar Chase ranked high. I'm, I'm going to guess you don't have T. Higgins close to where Chris does. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Like, I've got him somewhere in the teens. He's a top 20 wide receiver for me. I've got Chase, I think, third. And again, I have the teams I haven't projected yet, so those will change. But my problem with Burrow, the thing that Chris said, the 5% increase in pass attempts, I hope they do that. I just don't know. Like, they got to the Super Bowl, and I, I said this with the Titans a few years back, when you have this much success with an offensive game plan, I struggle to project a change in that. I don't think they're going to be a bad team next year. In fact, I think the Steelers are probably worse next year, and I'm not sure the Browns are going to be better, so I think they're going to be playing from ahead. And when they've played from ahead, it's been a whole lot of running. Even against the Chiefs, they were probably running the ball on early downs more than they should have been. My Mm -hmm. bigger concern with Burrow is the statistical regression that's going to happen in terms of his yards per attempt and his touchdown rate. And I do think he'll throw a little bit more. I think I've got him projected for 580 pass attempts or something. But That's right around where I am. Yeah. And Higgins, again, a top 20 wide receiver, just not quite as high. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so fascinated what they could do this offseason because with these guys in place at the years that they have them, you know, so early in their career and so much flexibility with options to just – 
go address this offensive line. Now, does that mean it's better for their run game, which obviously is going to detract from Burrow and the receivers? Or does this mean it's just better for the offense? And they say, you know what? You got, if they end up winning, you get your Super Bowl ring in year two, year three, whatever, year two. Um, now let's see if you get an MVP. Now let's see if you can go, you, you know, prove that you're one of the best quarterbacks in the league, which is obviously going to put the ball in his hands a little bit more. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this offense changes, evolves. Um, you know, I, I I think, you know, you go back to that San Francisco game, Adam references this, references this uh, time and again, that that's when they sort of said it's Burrow's offense as opposed to, you know, we're not babying anymore. And that's where you started to see the, the the bigger plays for both those receivers. But can can he sustain two guys in the top 10 um, is, I think, the question people have to ask themselves. Chris, you buy it. Keith, not necessarily so much. And so uh, I guess you'll be, you'll be drafting Higgins, what, round three, if you're taking him as a top 10 receiver? Uh, yeah, I think I've ended up with him in round four in both of the mock drafts we've done, or maybe round five, and I'm thrilled to get him there. Sure. But yeah, I'll, I'll rank him in that range. And Heath, you wouldn't take him until round four, I guess, right? Yeah, round four is about right, I think. All right, so there's a couple look at little little look at some of the guys that they're high on: T. Higgins, Justin Field, David Montgomery. So uh, these guys will be competing over the Bears in uh, 2022, based on how things are going so far. All right, so you normally hear Adam talk about Indochino. He loves the suits. Uh, it's it's an unbelievable product that they have. Um, I have never worn an Indochino suit. That's because we get some things sent to us, you know, as uh, a, a thank you for doing sponsorships. But Adam steals them all. So uh, I've never seen a lot of the things you hear guys talk. Sometimes I put my head down because, you know, I, I don't even know, get a chance to experience it. I got to go experience it for myself. So you know what? When Ben said, hey, we're giving Adam the day off, uh, you're going to do the Indochino re- uh, read. I went, I looked, and I bought two suits. You know, so the two that I picked out were the Hemsworth Stripe Blue suit and the Haxby Navy suit. They're both under $400. I love designing it for myself. I can't wait to get them. I'm so excited to finally take part in what Adam gets to rave about, and that's the Indochino suits. And Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Get a wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without spending a fortune. Every piece is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail. Give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. You get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the promo code FFT at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Indochino.com. Use the promo code FFT. I did that. I got the discount. I'm getting the suits. Adam, you're going to be out of luck because now we can both talk about Indochino. Maybe everybody's going to be out of luck, but you're going to hear about Indochino a lot because it's a great product, and I'm excited to get my two new suits. A couple of news items that we need to uh, make you aware of. So if you haven't been paying attention to the coaching cycle, uh, some news happening in Minnesota. Not official yet because they can't make the hire, but all reports indicate that they're going to go with Kevin O'Connell, who is the Rams offensive coordinator, as their next head coach, replacing Mike Zimmer. Jim Harbaugh was thought to be taking the job, but he says no, he's staying at Michigan. So uh, you guys are going through your projections. I don't know if you saved the Super Bowl teams for after the Super Bowl, but in terms of what the Rams have done, and we know it's a very Sean McVay-centered offense, Kevin O'Connell going to the Vikings. What does this mean? Assuming Kirk Cousins is there, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. We know there's a lot of big fantasy assets there. Are things going to change for you guys with Kevin O'Connell as head coach? How are you going to approach the the, the new play caller there for Minnesota? I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they if they go with more three wide receiver sets, which has been kind of the the hallmark of the Rams offense during the Sean McVay era, because this was a team and Heath talked about it a lot during the regular season that, you know, when we were looking for that third pass catcher, it was kind of either KJ Osborne or Tyler Conklin. It was never both. You know, there wasn't room really for both of them to step up. And that was even true when Adam Thielen went out. Um, and so this is a team that runs a lot of two running back sets, not as much two tight end sets this year, this past year though, we'll see if Irv Smith comes back healthy. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if they adopt that kind of change. That would be a pretty significant philosophical change. But, you know, one thing is Zach Taylor, as the Bengals head coach, has been pretty run heavy. You know, we, we, he came out of that Sean McVay offense as well, and we thought, oh, maybe they would open it up. It's not really what we've seen outside of the last five or six games of this season. So I don't know if we're necessarily going to see a dramatic sea change in how the Vikings work. They'll probably be less run heavy just because it's – hard to be as run heavy as they have been. Um, but it doesn't dramatically change 
how I'm going to view this offense. The, the best thing about this is was already decided weeks ago, and that's that Mike Zimmer is not going to – and he, he let go of the reins a couple times while he was there, but he's not going to be pulling back the reins on the passing game. Mm-hmm. If O'Connell has, has learned much from Sean McVay, then I think that we could have a decent expectation that Kirk Cousins has the upside to have his best season in fantasy as a quarterback because what we've seen, Jared Goff was much better – with the Rams than he was with Detroit. Matthew Stafford, much better with the Rams than he was with Detroit. I think that there's reason to believe that with Zimmer gone, there will be more pass attempts. Cousins could be very efficient. Um, So, yeah, I think – and the other thing, like McVay's offenses and Zach Taylor's, except for this year with Cooper Cup, have generally been pretty balanced in terms of targets amongst the wide receivers. Now, this year with Cooper Cup kind of changed that, so maybe Jefferson can have that Cup role – and really dominate targets like he did in the second half of 2021. But uh, historically, they've been a team that really likes to spread the ball around and not have too many tendencies that you can bet on. Have you gotten yeah. to the Vikings yet, Heath, in terms of your projections? I had not because of the teams that didn't have a head coach. Um, you waited. I waited, but they. I, I will definitely be projecting both the Rams and the Vikings today. And what I will do probably – is uh, just a, a straight split between Sean McVay's splits as a play caller the past three seasons and last year's league average and just try to normalize it a little bit. It's a bit of a guessing game. We'll see what O'Connell does. But th- that's the thing about McVay also, and we've talked about this. There was the Tyler Higby stretch. There was the Robert Woods stretch. We've now had the Cooper Cup season. He is not a guy who does the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I think, you know, you look at, though, when he has stars at certain spots, Gurley, you know, when he was at his best cup now, the combo of Woods and Cup, when I think he was trying to figure out, you know, maybe who's the better of the two, you know, when when those guys were, were great. Uh, Brandon Cooks, you know, has had some good moments, had a good season with him. Um, yeah, it's uh, I guess it's hard to, to figure out the tendencies. Chris, in terms of the, the, the Vikings guys now, I don't know if you're factoring in the, the coaching change, if that was when you did it. But uh, where does Dalvin Cook come out for you in your projections? So Dalvin Cook actually came out surprisingly low. Um, he was RB eight for me in the first round of projections. And that was with, you know, 270 carries, which is probably a little lower than what we would expect from a full season based on what we've seen the last few years. So maybe I'm too low there. Only 45 catches. I think that's right around, uh, that one sounds right, but maybe the rushing volume's a little low. We'll see, because this, this is another thing with the Sean McVay offense that we have seen is outside of 2020, when he's had a running back and he's had a healthy go-to running back, that was Daryl Henderson when he was healthy this year. That was Sony Michelle. It's been Cam Akers the last three games, and it was Cam Akers down the stretch last season. He gives that running back 75% of the touches, 85% of the snaps. So I don't know if we're going to see a dramatic change in Dalvin Cook's on-field usage. The, the concern for Dalvin Cook with me is just I tend to be more injury agnostic, but He's a guy who's had, I think, four or five different separated or dislocated shoulders going back to college. And so the recurring nature of those injuries, even though he's only missed two games, two or three games each of the last three seasons, I I do think there is heightened risk for him. Um, so that's probably why I'll be a little lower on consensus. And one thing I'll point out with Justin Jefferson is he was a 30% target share guy this year, which was, I think, third highest in the NFL behind Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. He'll probably regress from that anyway, but he's got a really, really high baseline that he's regressing from. And I don't think he, I think he's going to be among the league leaders in target share moving forward. Yeah. I, I, and I think the Dalvin Cook point's a good one because I, I made a point. I just project everybody for 17 games except for Will Fuller. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. It's really difficult for me to look at a guy who's played five years in the NFL and has never played more than 14 games. Yeah. And say, I'm going to project him for 17 games. And, and when he's on the field, he gets his rush share was 74% this season. That's one of the yeah. highest in the NFL. His target share was 11%. So even if he comes down from that a little bit, or even if you project him for less than that to account for some injury risk, which is basically what I'm doing, you're still going to end up with well over 300 touches. Give me the numbers, just the numbers for Jefferson and Thielen, what you have right now, Chris. Uh, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns for Jefferson on 103 catches, 84 catches for 915 yards and seven touchdowns for Thielen. Okay. And did you do Osborne and, and Smith yet too? 
Yeah, uh, not Smith. Actually, that's that's an oversight that I'll have to work on. I projected Conklin as the leading tight end, but Osborne, 730 yards, four touchdowns on 55 catches. So he would have to take a step forward to replace Thielen, and I'm not sure that's going to happen, Jesse. Yeah, it's uh, another year that I think you know Kirk Cousins will get overlooked in drafts and oh, probably yeah. end up in that top 12 range. Again, maybe not finishing as a top 12 quarterback, but certainly if you whiff on the position or you take a young guy that you want to pair him with, uh, like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, just to make sure you have some safety, uh, a safety net there. He's a he's an excellent number two quarterback to have on your team and, and produces year in, year out, despite everybody always saying he's not going to do it. He's um, currently ahead of Russell Wilson and Joe Burrow for me. Uh, you have him ahead of those guys. Okay. Yep. So you have him ahead of Top Burrow? 12. Yep. Even though you like both the yep. Bengals guys <laughs> and Burrow take a step forward. Yep. Very interesting. Okay. Um, the Bills hired uh, Panthers offensive Former Panthers office coordinator Joe Brady is their quarterback coach. He's going to work with Ken Dorsey um, as the replacement for Brian Dable. The one thing just to keep an eye on there is that Brady loves throwing to his running backs uh, based on his time at LSU, based on his tenure with the Panthers. So maybe that helps Devin Singletary or whoever's going to work with Devin Singletary, most likely Zach Moss again. So just something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Joe Brady, now a member of the Bills staff. I'm a little curious if there's a not a full Mike Zimmer situation here, but a little bit of a Mike Zimmer situation because there there was definitely some talk about how Brian Dable did not want to run the ball as much as Buffalo wanted to run the ball. And he kind of lost that battle at the end of the year, right, when they started running the ball a little bit more. Okay. I, I wonder with Dorsey getting promoted to take over the offensive coordinator job, if he's going to listen to the head coach a little bit more in terms of run-pass split. And we see them a little bit more run-heavy than they've been the last two years. Maybe. I mean, it's certainly something to take into account. Joe Brady's hiring does not speak to that, though, because right. he's more of a pass-heavy guy as opposed to a run-heavy guy, and that's why I think he was let go in Carolina because that's what Matt Rule wanted to do. So it's an interesting hire. It certainly you know, goes against what you're saying, Heath, because of I, I would think Sean McDermott may have wanted to have a little bit more balance, but when you have that guy under center, why would you take the ball out of his hands more than you need to? You know, so. And they're, you know, they're not balanced, but they're not like one of the extreme pass-heavy teams. Part of, part of that is because... Josh Allen runs so much. And so right. That's factor in his rush part. Attempts, I think yeah. he had a career high in rush attempts this season. Um, 17 yeah. games. But yeah, I think even on a per game basis, he was, uh, I think he had his highest per game rush attempts. There were, there were, they felt like there was some more design runs, certainly as the season went on when they kind of went through that lull of uh, Moss struggling, getting hurt, Singletary not stepping forward. And then finally, they just realized let Devin Singletary be the guy and he proved to be very successful. Uh, Jalen Hurts had ankle surgery on Wednesday. Any concern with him going into next season? He's going to have plenty of time to get healthy. Um, led the Eagles in rushing. We know the offense, as you alluded to, um, in terms of the, 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 the comparison with Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, how the offense switched uh, basically after about five or six weeks of the season. Jalen Hurts going into 2022. Where does he compare to maybe Cousins and uh, Burrow and, and Wilson for you, Chris, in terms of taking that next step. Can he evolve as a passer? He's still going to rush for 700 plus yards. Are we going to see that type of player first half beginning of the season, Jalen hurts second half, Jalen hurts, which Jalen hurts expecting next year. Uh, when I'm projecting, I tend to regress everyone back to the league mean to a certain extent. And with a team like Philadelphia, especially with how extreme run heavy they were last season, it's going to be more significant than most, but they do, I believe they are still the only team that I project to have more rush attempts than pass attempts this season. And you saw that with you know, Tennessee having to throw the ball more this season, Derrick Henry's injury, things like that happen. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more balance than we did down the stretch, but Jalen Hurts' primary value is still going to come from his rushing. He's right in that range. It's, you know, Cousins to Burrow is Cousins, Hurts, Fields, Wilson, Burrow, and in, in – some order between eight and 13. Neath, <laughs> your eyes got big there. Uh, I think he said it's because he said Justin Field's name before Joe Burrow's name. Oh, I and wasn't I had listening. Told you I was order. going to be the low guy on Joe Burrow, and that can't be the case. If no, I wasn't the, listening the in order, though. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got Hertz very, very close to Kyler Murray, and they're QB seven and eight right now. Um, so I, I still think he has top five upside. I still think he has some pretty significant dynasty downside if things go bad this year. But um, he, he could be, and especially if you're in a four-point-per-pass touchdown league, I mean, he might be a top-three quarterback. 
It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the offseason. They have three draft picks in the first round. Are they going to be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes if he's able to play in 2022 and the Texans trade him to Philadelphia? Uh, obviously, they need to address their receiving core because they can't just go with the same group. And Devontae Smith hopefully will take a step forward. Uh, Dallas Goddard as well. But uh, one of the teams that you should be keeping an eye on for sure. And uh, as Heath said, his dynasty value could certainly be impacted if he's no longer the starting quarterback for the Eagles and maybe the starter for the Houston Texans. All right, let's talk about some of the guys that were low on. So, Heath, I'll give you the first word. You mentioned Joe Burrow. I don't know if the guy that you're going to go with, because Chris might be lower than you based on some of the comments. Uh, but who's the guy you think you're going to be lowest on going into 2022 based on the uh, teams that you projected so far? Yeah, I, I definitely thought that it was going to be him. I, I, I think it might be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He did not come out in my top 30 running backs. Um, and I just – I have very little confidence – that he has more upside than, say, 50% of the team's rush attempts or 55% of the team's rush attempts. I don't think the Chiefs are going to use him in the passing game. I, I've, We've seen now them trust Daryl Williams in situations over him, them trust Jarek McKinnon in situations over him, so it's not even a situation. And, and Chris made a good point with this last year, kind of like Mike Davis. Well, there's nobody that can take the ball away from Mike Davis on the team. There was. It doesn't seem like there's a very high bar to be the guy that can take the ball away from Clyde Edwards-Helaire in Kansas City. I don't think they're going to draft another running back probably. Hopefully they learn their lesson on that. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a veteran sharing with them, and I wouldn't be surprised if that veteran takes the job from him by the end of the year. McKinnon is a free agent. Darrell Williams could be back, uh, so it might be just the same split again. And, and, and not even just you know somebody taking him off the field. He takes himself off the field because he gets right. hurt. Uh, the injuries have been a problem for him the last two seasons, the ankle two years ago. The shoulder this season um unfortunately it's just been a tough go for a guy that we were very excited about coming out of lsu and the first round pick two seasons ago so maybe year three will be the year for clyde edwards alera but chris i'm sorry Heath, you will not be uh drafting him very highly chris the guy that you're low on or expect to be low on is aj Dillon. so let's assume just for argument's sake that aaron Rodgers stays in green bay because that would make the offense obviously a lot better so uh is that the way you're factoring this or is this just aj Dillon? with i guess it doesn't matter if aaron Rodgers is there you know how, how's the approach with the uh, the packers running back situation i'm projecting it as if aaron Rodgers is there for now and and the biggest thing for me is i just i'm not projecting him to take over as the lead back just yet um i i have him and um aaron jones projected for the exact same rush share this season in the games that they played aaron jones actually had a slightly higher rush share he had 43 percent of the carries in the games he played Dylan was 42%. Obviously, as the season went on, that did change a little bit. But I'm just splitting it down the middle. The biggest thing is just I have Aaron Jones with a bigger role in the passing game. I think A.J. Dillon can be a factor in the passing game. But if there's going to be someone who gets 75 targets in this backfield, it's going to be Aaron Jones. And when you're talking about splitting rush attempts, not a huge factor in the passing game. I've got him for 35 catches, so not nothing. Uh, And, you know, it's not like A.J. Dillon was – the better goal line option or was the preferred goal line option. So it all just comes down to the fact that he's splitting and he's on the the negative side of the split for me. And I, you know, I think he could be someone who gets viewed as an RB two. He's RB 28 for me. I don't know where that is relative to where you guys are, but that's one of the ones that is um, a little lower for me. I think we need, have we come up with a word yet for these type of players that are not, handcuffs not lottery ticket type guys because they play too much um like dylan like tony pollard you know not necessarily like alexander madison because we don't think he plays enough you know they're kenny drake going in the last season was it they're kareem hunts kareem hunts that's a good one you know so but like what is like how do we define these guys because you, you you can't necessarily draft them to be weekly starters you could have them as flex options depending on how you build your team but you prefer them by weeks obviously if there's an injury they're top 10 guys you know i mean if yeah. as we saw aaron jones doesn't play whether he produced like that or not we've we've we treated him like that we treat kareem hunt like that when nick chubb is not there we treat tony pollard like that if if zeke wasn't there how do we define these guys i think they're really good zero rb backs and they're kind of super handcuffs like they're they're useful players to have around when they're not the starter but they have, you know, league winning potential or week winning potential if they do become the starter. So I think they're really valuable players who as long as you're not expecting them, you know, like 
like a lot of what we did with Tony Pollard this season, where there, there were a lot of points where the fantasy community was like, this is the week that he's going to be the lead back. And it never actually happened. Right. So as long as you don't do that, as long as you don't expect them to do something that they haven't done yet, I think they have a lot of value. It's just, it's easy to get over your skis on these types of players. I'm going to come up with it. I, man, I, the whole time Chris was talking, I was not listening to him and trying to come up with no, that sounds the, right. the name for these players, and I, I failed. Um, but <laughs> that's my mission for the rest of the day. <laughs> All right. A phrase to define these non-handcuff, non-lottery ticket, startable caliber running backs that we can uh, still use but not maximize their potential because they're still stuck behind somebody who's probably – in most cases, still better than him. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back and get into the two biggest takeaways from the projections for both of these guys, and it should be some fun conversations about a couple of different teams. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, and we're back. All right, Heath, I'm going to give you the first one here. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of ping pong. We'll go one each for uh, both of you, but back and forth. So, Heath, you're the, the first one here. So your biggest takeaway from your projection so far, give me a team or a player that uh, stood out to you. Uh, and I think this is one Chris and I might disagree on, but scared to death about projecting the Lions' target share and DeAndre Swift. Um, the, uh, and it goes back all the way to last offseason when they hired Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator. And I sp- spent months saying, look at all these touches Anthony lives- Lynn gives to running backs. Look at all these targets Anthony Lynn gives to running backs. In the first eight games of the season, Anthony Lynn called plays. And running backs on the team had a 29% target share. And then Dan Campbell took away the keys. And running backs for the rest of the season had an 18% target share. And it's like the whole thing that makes it more difficult is that DeAndre Swift only played four of those games, five of the four and a half of those games. Um, and in one of them, he had 33 carries. <laughs> so that was great. It was okay. But I think the thing you have to lean towards is, is that Anthony Lynn is the outlier in terms of generating that number of running back touches and targets per game. And we should not expect Dan Campbell to do the same thing. Now, I still think DeAndre Swift could be a borderline number one, high end number two running back. But he went from basically eight targets per game with Lynn calling plays to four and a half targets per game with Campbell calling plays. And four and a half is just a lot more normal. So that's probably closer to what we should expect this season. The problem is if the Lions are still a below average team, even if they're competitive like they were in the second half, and they're still splitting touches, which I think they probably will, Swift doesn't get those garbage time targets, doesn't have seven or eight targets a game. I don't think he can be the top five running back that I hoped he would be last year. And Chris, you're very high on DeAndre Swift. I know he's a top 10 running back for you. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing I'm trying to look at right now is what Swift's target share was in those games. But I don't know if that even would give us the full picture because he played four full games after Anthony Lynn gave up play-calling duties, but not really because his last two games of the season, he did come back from that injury, but he clearly wasn't playing his normal role. He played 57% of the snaps and 54% of the snaps. Those were two of the three lowest snap shares he had for a game where he didn't leave with an injury. So I think it's clear that he wasn't 100% healthy at that point. And he still had eight targets across those two games, only 11 carries. So I don't think that's necessarily representative of what his role is going to look like 
moving forward. And as I'm talking, I'm trying to find what DeAndre Swift's target share was from week nine on, and I can't come up with it. So I was hoping to do that while I was a filibuster. It's, it's really it's a it's a puzzle that is not easily solved because there's a partial game in there and there's missed yeah. games in there. So like that's I said, it's not it's not something where I definitely feel confident. I'm not screaming DeAndre Swift bust. But it's one of the things that's going to trouble me. And I think it, it extends to the entire Lions offense in terms of mm-hmm. target share because Monroe St. Brown really exploded without Swift and Hawkinson. How much of that is sustainable? TJ Hawkinson, the tight ends saw a higher percentage of the targets when Anthony Lynn was calling plays than the tight ends did when Dan Campbell was calling plays. It, some teams throw the ball to their wide receivers 50% of the time. Some throw the wide receivers 65% of the time. And though that 15% might be the difference between Hawkinson and Swift being a good value and not. Yeah, but it's also a lot of that can be dictated by personnel. You know, when you've got Monroe St. Brown and Khalif Raymond as your top wide receivers and you've got TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift as your running back and tight end, you're going to throw to your running backs and tight ends more often than most teams just because at least if you're running if we're assuming a you know it was like chris froze he was so passionate about this he's stuck in time um the two what i was gonna say is the two things we got to find out about the lions is uh one who their play caller is because they're still without an office coordinator and two what do they do at the receiver position because amara st brown might still be the number one guy in theory but he may get an upgrade uh, he may just get another rookie to compliment or another young player to compliment him. Uh, something that we'll have to keep an eye on. All right, Keith, give me your second takeaway. Hopefully get Chris back here. So your second biggest takeaway from your projections. I think there's going to be a glut of uh, second-year wide receivers in the wide receiver three range. Um, I've got three of them. I'm halfway through the league, and I've already got three of them right around wide receiver 30. Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Elijah Moore. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one or two. I think that's the same range that you'll probably see guys like Gabriel Davis as well. That wide receiver three range is going to be really, really interesting this year. And really, really, like you can see the changing of the guard happening as it's happening. And these guys are coming. Which one are you projecting the high so far? Is it Amara St. Brown? As of right now, without another like good wide receiver in Detroit, it is St. Brown. But again, they they are all three within one fantasy point in February. So it's not predictive at all which one's at the top. Now, St. Brown closed the season. Obviously, a lot of people are going to remember that playing at such a high level. Uh, which of those three, though, do you think has full season breakout potential? Because Elijah Moore had some flashes of brilliance, obviously, uh, you know, he just didn't wasn't sustainable. And then what we saw from Devontae Smith, at least early in the season, he seemed to be heading in that direction. But then they flipped the offense and, and started to run the ball a lot more. Yeah, I'm going to say Smith still just because I think he I mean, he has the best pedigree. I think he is the best of the wide receivers. Um, I think he's the most likely if everybody's healthy to still have like a 25 percent target share. And that'll be fewer targets because it's Philadelphia. But I could see them being more efficient because they're so good at running the ball. Moore has a lot of upside as well. It's just, it's so hard to know. I don't believe, and I, I went through and looked, I, I know there wasn't a game where Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis all played more than 50% of the snaps. Um, and so it's really hard to know because Davis was Wilson's guy early in the season. And it's pretty easy to make the argument that Davis was better with Wilson than Moore was. So that's the part I struggle with with him. I would say Smith, I think, has the most upside, but it's close. Yep, and uh, again, going back to the Jalen Hurts conversation, throw the ball a little bit more if, if you're looking to get see uh, Devontae Smith break out. I still think Elijah Moore probably has the most breakout potential there just based on the offense that he's in, um, unless Philadelphia does change, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on there. And Amara St. Brown probably going get, to get drafted the highest, uh, again, depending on what Detroit does with their uh, offseason and their receiving court. All right, Chris, uh, your two biggest takeaways now that you're back, start with the first one about the 49ers and your concerns there while going into the Trey Lance era. Yeah, I mean, one, it's just it's probably going to be one of the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. It usually is even when they don't have a uh, rushing quarterback like Trey Lance. And then it's just a question of I don't know how good of a quarterback Trey Lance is going to be. I'm projecting him for below average yards per tar- yards per attempt, below average touchdown rate, and you know one of the lowest p- 
passing rates in the NFL, which gets into really tricky territory when you've got a guy who I want to be a top 12 wide receiver, another guy who I think has the talent to be a top 24 wide receiver, and a guy who I think might be the best tight end in football. And so going through this, when you're projecting them to be one of the lowest pass rate teams in the league and one of the least efficient passing teams in the league, it gets really hard to get Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk to where you want them to be. And in my first run of the projections, Debo Samuel ended up 15th at wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk is like 47th and George Kittle 7th at tight end. And I don't know how to fudge the numbers to make it look better. Like, is Trey Lance going to throw 35 times a game? I would be shocked if he did. Uh, is he even going to throw 30 times a game? I don't think so. Um, but then you also get into, it's really hard to make Elijah Mitchell much more than a, a low-end RB2 in that offense if Trey Lance is going to get 130 to 150 carries like he probably will. So it's just, you look at it all, you 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 put the the team together holistically and it's like, I love all the individual parts and I don't actually love any of the players for fantasy. And that's Brendan. You can, or Debo Samuel ended up 15th at wide receiver with 400 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. I don't actually know if they're going to use him the way they have. Down they, the they, they've kind of indicated that, you know, he, he said I, he wants, he wants the same role uh, in, in, you know, their exit interviews with the media. He yeah. said he wants the same role. I think the 49ers realized that he's, you know, such a, uh, you know, Swiss Army knife can do it all, yeah. and, and why would you change it? Uh, but yeah, it's it's certainly you know now there's a season's worth of of tape on it, film on it. Um, how much will you know that that factor in as well, Keith? Again, your eyes got big on that one. So which <laughs> which is the thing that stood out to you the most? Was it Debo? It, it was Debo, but and this is a team, another team that I'll probably do today. I haven't got to the 49ers yet either. Um, but all the things Chris was saying about the 49ers are exactly how I feel about the Broncos. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think any of the Broncos three wide receivers came out in my top 48 in my first run. And I was like, how do I get one of those wide receivers? I mean, I'll rank one of them that high just so I don't get I called th- out for it. But I it, think Judy just snuck inside the top 40 for me. Right. It's those those situations. And the problem is when you're doing projections, you just kind of rank everybody lower because there's not enough room. And so everybody suffers. I think the most likely outcome in in these situations is that's not what's going to happen. One guy's going to suffer a big loss and then two of the guys will be good. You just need to figure out. Yeah. One guy gets hurt. Or one guy just lands in the coach's doghouse. Like Brandon, are you like, it's, it's the kind of thing where I talk about a lot in the baseball podcast where we're like, I don't know if this guy's going to get the playing time. It's like, well, if you're good, life finds a way, you know, like the Jurassic park quote, like generally like Debo Samuel was too good to not get the work he did this season. And so maybe that, maybe he'll just be a 27% target share guy again next season. Uh, Although that's not been the case in his running back role. So it's a really, really tough situation. And unlike the Broncos, it's hard to see there being a better, like a point this off season where you're like, ah, yes, it makes sense. Now I can see how it goes because the Broncos, well, if they add Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you can definitely see how things can get a lot better for that offense. But with the 49ers, it would either require it basically it would require a leap of faith in Trey Lance that I'm not willing to make based on what we've seen. Yeah, Debo feels the safest to me. It sounds like that's the case for you. I know mm-hmm. tight end obviously is a different, you know, because you're hearing 15th and 7th, but uh, Debo feels the safest, at least for, for me, because I know he's going to get those carries. So at least they're going to try and put the ball in his hands, and Trey Lance doesn't have to make a lot of throws downfield to make him successful. I am very concerned though about Kittle and, and Ayuk. I think Kittle's talent will overcome some of the deficiencies from Lance potentially, uh, but Ayuk might suffer if the, the targets aren't there. All right, Chris, last one for you. The, the biggest takeaway from your projections in regards to the Bucks. clearly big change, no more Tom Brady. So as of now, it looks like Kyle Trask could be their starter. I'd be very surprised if that's the case, but uh, just take us through your thought process quickly on the, uh, on the Bucks. Yeah, so the, the, the other thing is it's not just Kyle Trask is the starting quarterback. It's Leonard Fournette's a free agent, and Ronald Jones is a free agent, and Chris Godwin's a free agent. We don't know the Rob Gronkowski is going to play next season. So there's so many question marks around this team. But generally speaking, you're going from an incredibly effective and efficient passing game with arguably the best quarterback in the NFL to big question mark. Right now, I would expect significantly below average quarterback play from this offense, which – makes it really hard when you've got 
you know, potentially four pass catchers who were must-start options in fantasy this season in Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. Right now, I have Leonard Fournette projected as RB12 uh, just because the target share that he got and the, the rush share that he got, if he ends up a starter somewhere next season, I think he's going to have a really healthy role. But it's, a, it's projecting to be a really bad offense right now. And as far as the wide receivers go, Assuming Mike Evans and or assuming Chris Godwin's back and Mike Evans is healthy and Gronkowski and Fournette and Kyle Trask is quarterback, I don't have either of those wide receivers as a must-start option. I've got Chris Godwin as our wide receiver twenty-seven and Mike Evans as wide receiver twenty-eight, and that's probably underrating Mike Evans, especially just because he's always a must-start wide receiver and he's always scoring a lot of touchdowns. But he's really touchdown dependent. And that's going to be especially true in a worse offense. And if he's not going to be, if you can't count on him for double digit touchdowns, it's going to be real, real hit or miss for him. So hashtag bring Jameis home. Right. No, I would love bring Jameis home. That would, that would answer a lot of questions. And Mike Evans and Chris Godwin would both be top 15 at uh, 15 or 20 wide receivers again. And, but as things stand right now, barring a, a significant upgrade at quarterback, this looks like a pretty, pretty awful offense. It could be uh, a lot of questions still to be, you know, uh, determined. A lot, of, a lot of situations still to be determined because of Brady's retirement. What that means mm-hmm. for Gronk? Um, what does Godwin do? You know, there's already some talk about maybe Godwin going to Philadelphia. You know, I saw some some social media accounts tweeting that. Um, what do they do with their backfield? Uh, you could they, they'll probably be in the Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, maybe Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. It could be somebody like Jameis. It could be Marcus Mariota. It could be Mitchell Trubisky. I've heard Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's a destination for him to go to Tampa. Um, again, Kyle Trask if they stay in house. So uh, one of the bigger teams that we're going to follow this offseason, which will obviously alter the projections for these guys and how things turn out for 2022. But there's an early look at the 2022 projections for some guys for certain teams. Uh, for Heath and for Chris. And again, a lot of conversations still to come about that and the rankings process uh, for a very, very long offseason that we will be talking about in the coming months. Uh, but don't forget, next week, we're going to be Monday through Friday heading into Super Bowl 56, starting on Monday with our Senior Bowl recap. So you don't want to miss that episode. And thankfully, our buddy Adam Azer, probably wearing his Indochino suit, will be back. So for Chris Towers, Heath Collins, I'm Jamie Eisenberg. Thanks for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today.